from our soundstage and auditory office to your hearts and ears across the globe. The following has been crafted with care for your listening ears. Good morning, good day, or good evening, and welcome to 54 Lights. For those just joining or those joining as a matter of habit, remember that this season we're diving headfirst into the deep end, dedicating each and every episode to seeing one corner of the African continent. A deliberate unpacking of the African experience, if you will, told mostly through the eyes of those in the diaspora. And we're going to march the African map and all 54 countries in it, one story at a time. My name is Kondwani Mwase, Ethiopian-born, Canadian-raised, and proudly Malawian. As you'll soon hear, I'm a curious Pan-Africanist that finds inspiration, energy, and purpose in creative spaces. The innate spirit of this show is an interesting one. It's one that's grounded in Pan-Africanism, as I mentioned, and that, in broad terms, is a very humane approach. One that appreciates that, among other things, that life in the diaspora is a complicated, lonely, and risk-filled experience that sometimes requires leaps of faith. Leaps that give faith, and hope, of course, to a business idea, a creative inspiration, and at the odd time, to a faceless person who sent you an inquiry. Now, when I contacted Aaron Samuel Malenga some months ago, I had little to offer other than an idea and a rather loose connection. Now, if you'll recall, I'm Malawian, as I've said many a time before. But that lineage, that familial root, actually straddles the Zambian border, landing many a Mwase on the other side of the Zambia-Malawi divide. So, armed with that knowledge, and with a willingness to take a leap, Aaron gave up his time and let me interview him about his work and, of course, his life. As you'll hear in a few minutes, He's led us in, into his heart and into his soul. A leap that many Africans in diaspora take, one way or another. Now, without further ramble, let's lean in and listen up to my next and most generous guest. From what I understand of you, you you're in you're in the states, correct? You're in the the, the West Coast. Yes, I'm in California at the moment. So I'm currently doing my PhD in the history of art and visual culture at University of California, Santa Cruz. Um, so this is my my third year here. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's that's kind of what I'm doing. Oh, that's amazing! That's amazing. Um, before we we go ahead and jump in, I think this will take about thirty mer- thirty minutes, Aaron. Sure. I want to just make sure that I'm respectful of your time. It's been really, really such a pleasure to to to, to actually have to jump on this 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 call with you. But um, it, you know, but I'm I'm quite open. Do you have any other questions for me? I can give you a quick rundown of what I think is going to be happening in the next little few months. Um, but other than that, um, it, you know, do you have any questions you want to jump on before I give you that summary and then we can get started? Yeah. Yeah. How did you, um, um, um it's, it, it would be interesting to know how you found my, my stuff. Uh, oh yeah. 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 Sure. I'm, I'm starting to get that question a lot. Um, well, listen, I, I, I mean, it I, sounds like you do good research. So yeah. it's like, ah, okay, okay. Yeah. That, you know, the stories of how we are led, like connection is so so important and sometimes i think people 
people forget that, you know, it's like, oh, okay, I, I heard about you through a friend or I came across your stuff from Instagram, you know, and it's like, next thing, there's a message in an inbox. And most of the time, some people are like, do I know this person? No, I don't. I don't need to respond. What's this person doing? Who are they? And then they look you up and they're like, oh, is this going to benefit me in any way? And I think sometimes it's just about like connection, you know, because it's like, how can we build ourselves? How can we build our network? How can we build our friendships, you know? Uh, I'm so happy that you said that, Aaron. And, you know, that's exactly how I've operated this podcast. So I'll answer the question in a really long and roundabout way. But I'll, I'll say that, you know, I started this podcast a few years ago. So this is actually my fourth season, even though the season's mm. relatively short, like 12 to 18 episodes each season. Mm. And um, it, I, I call it 54 Lights because it's it's sort of like, I'm guided by a, a desire and a thirst to change the African narrative um, and to really change the, the narrative from dark to light and, you know, the dark continent and let's, let's illuminate it. I understand the people are dark. They've got a lot of more melanin in the skin than the, than, than a European contingent, but nonetheless, this is the purpose of this is really to change that perception and that narrative of African stories from dark to light. Um, the idea of 54 is obviously because there are 54 uh, countries within the uh, continent. So I wanted to tell that story. And then um, the, the, the other component of it was, is it, at the beginning, I sort of like said, hey, let me just kind of meander through the continent and see how many people I can meet on the continent or in the diaspora. But then for this final season, uh, what I'm calling my final season, even though it'll stretch quite a few years, is I really actually wanted to meet one person from each country and talk about each country a little bit and then talk about with one of its, its sons or daughters and just talk mm. about um, what they're doing. So this mm. is the purpose of this, this uh, you know, podcast. But what has also guided the podcast over the past few years is that I've sort of fallen into... I'm speaking with a, a collection, a cluster of people. One is people who are actually quite consumed with the African narrative and what that African experience is defining that. So a lot of my guests sort of fall into that camp. And now more lately in the past, I would say season or two, I've had a lot of, it's sort of a gravitational pull towards people in the arts. Okay. Um, be they creators from uh, even even business creators, but but more sort of prototypically creators such as yourself who are artists or they're musicians, um, which is a different type of artist or they're performing artists, and that has sort of been the rhythm with which that I've I've started to fall into my guests, and um, so I would say that I've sort of been predisposed to look for artists. And when I'm when I was doing my investigation of trying to find people from Zambia, from Central Africa, from you know Northern Africa, all that, I, I came I've come across quite a bit of artists. And just landing on your story, even though I don't know too much about it, I actually just I was drawn to it. Um, you're a prolific uh, artist who's won a, 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 you know a, a couple of awards um, or several awards. You're a professor. Um, for a while, I've actually been consumed with this conversation about art and reappropriation or repatriation of art back to Africa. So I don't know if that's exactly what you deal in, but it seems to be a little. And that's one of my questions to come up is just a little yeah. bit of that fringe. 
And, um, you know, so that's that's kind of why I hit you up. And I, I was talking to a friend of mine and I said, oh, boy, you know, even though I have family in Zambia, I've kind of tried to do this as, as a pure sort of like the research component. Like I've, I've tried to keep it separate and say, you yeah, know, don't send me your friends. Yeah. I want, you know, like you might end up yeah. maybe knowing them, but but I want it to be the research part of it. And, uh, you know, you sort of flip a dice and sort of say, hey, you know, people will look at you and say, who is this person? Who is this guy? Where is he? Is he Malawi? Yeah. Is he Canadian? I've never heard of him. You know, all of this stuff. But you kind of, you, you know, you take a you take a um, you take a bit of a gamble in that people will connect with you and they'll they'll find something common. And, and you know, I'm just I'm just really grateful for that because I kind of reached out to you sight unseen. And obviously you didn't know who I was and. So I really appreciate you taking that, if you will, a leap of faith in, in trying to find that genuine connection. So that's, you know, that's a really long way of answering the question you just asked me. Um, but hopefully it's helpful. It is, it is, it is. Um, I'm actually studying for my PhD, so I'm not yet at the point of professor, but, you know, uh, fingers crossed if that's in the horizon, it will happen. Um and I, I, I love everything that you're saying. I think for sure the conversation of repatriation uh, is a big and hot topic in, in the arts, um, especially the place of the African continent. Do you feel then that you are re, you're on a, a journey to rewrite history, to correct history or to reframe it? Like, uh, you know, it's a, mm. I'm asking it in maybe poor terms, but... Mm, mm, mm. I think I like the idea of reframe. I think, uh, you know, I'd plug Ngugi Wationgo's book, Decolonize uh, the Mind here, um, because I think it's important, you know, like history is history. <laughs> the only thing is, whose history are we learning? I, uh, as you were speaking, I wrote down the question, I'm like, history for whom? For whom, right? Like it's, 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 yes. it's relative almost, right? It is very relative, except when you look at what people will tell you, it's based on the education that they've got. And so the question is, how do we educate ourselves beyond the narratives that are present, beyond the ideas of the colonizer? How is it that, say, for instance, right now in Zambia and other countries on the continent, when you, I'm just going to a different profession as, as a lawyer, um, my wife is a lawyer. So as a lawyer, you, you, you get the bar, you know, you pass the bar, you get given this wig, you know, why, why that wig? <laughs> where, where is this coming from? Whose history are we uplifting even as we are looking at the law? You know, as we are looking at very cardinal things in our country. And that's just one aspect, you know, it's the aesthetics of it, but also it's the history that comes with some of these these things. You know, can we do away with them? Is it possible to go into court without those wigs? You know, can you pass the bar and not get those that regalia? I don't know. You know, um, is there other ways that we can imagine ourselves as professionals? Um, and this is not just law. I'm even talking about as artists, you know, yeah. there's very stereotypical ways in which we look at certain things. And so then I guess the question is, how do we look at the same things through a different lens? Yeah, it, it, it really is. It, it, it's funny that you say that because I've, I've always like, even as a, as a child or, you know, when I was younger, um, far from those days now, I would always um, marvel at different 
parts of the world that donned the uh you know that those those wigs you know especially when it came to like mm. you know parliament and and and, and law and um uh, co- courts of law and i said but mm. gee, it looked odd on mm. you know for, for lack of a better term like on black people it was just like well oh, yeah. what why are you wearing that wig what wow. is that like for for what posture are you putting this on mm. you know and, and to be frank it also looked odd on on caucasian people as well in some yeah, yeah. Case. like yeah. let, let, me, let me you know call call it out for it is for what it is mm-hmm. but it, it's it's to your point it's almost like that colonization effort is inherent and institutionalized even in the regalia mm-hmm. and that's profound right mm-hmm. so in in the work that you do like you know and this is what what i'm fascinated with is that for an artist like yourself, who's embroiled with it and committed to it in the way that you are, where's your mental frame of mind? Um, anger is a very useful uh, emotion, um, but I don't know that I have uh, the time for anger. Um, <laughs> when 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 I was growing up, um, I used to have moments where my father used to tell me, "Oh, you're angry," you know. And I'm like, "No, I'm not angry. I just don't want to talk." You know, I just want to be be myself. Uh, this is my my me, and so I think because of that, I kind of had this idea about the way in which anger can be a negative thing. I don't think it's wrong for people to be angry. I think there's moments where anger is so necessary, you know. Um, but to your to your question, I think my emotional state when I'm thinking about some of these things is definitely I'm frustrated at the fact that we are back we 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 almost haven't left. We've got our independence, but we haven't left a colonial mindset. There's many spaces where we are still in a colonial mindset. And so the question comes how do we change that? You know, anger in itself will not do that. Frustration in itself will not do that. What kind of steps do we need to take to act? And I think for me, that's kind of it with, with the art. You know, it allows me to think differently. It allows me to imagine something that's, that's different. You know, I think everyone needs to be given the liberty to dream. And that's what art does, you know. So, for instance, before someone went, say, for instance, to space or uh, they went wherever it is that they went that they hadn't been before, they had to have an imagination. They had to dream this picture up. And so I think art provides me that opportunity to to, to engage that space. Um, emotionally, I try to be hopeful when I'm thinking about some of these things. I try to be positive. Um because I feel like there is already so much negativity around me and around mm. us uh, that it's so easy to be weighed down by, by how heavy things are. And I feel like that can be limiting. You know, it's, for, some, for some it's important because then that's, that's, what, that's what drives them. Yes, but for you. me personally, I try, I try to be uh, in a positive mindset. Mm. You talked about, um, and thank you for that perspective, Aaron. You, you talked a little bit about um, how you, the, you know, the pieces that that you do, or you didn't really touch on it. But I wanted to touch on one piece in particular you you did, and I, I'm, I forgive me, I don't have the name, but it was okay. a uh, a reinterpretation of the Last Supper. Oh yes, yes, uh, it was called the Last Supper on 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 Reed Matt. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me about what what inspired you to pick that 
um, that piece, depiction? That, that depiction as your as mm. was, you know, to to uh, to reinterpret, if you will. I mean, uh, so a lot of my work, even the Afronaut work, a lot of it is started from a space of looking at images that were around me. Um, my family had this huge family Bible um, where I used to flip through it and I used to get ideas for drawings uh, from it. It was only when I got to university that I started to realize that the images that I was drawing didn't look like me. And so I guess I started to question why that was. And from, from that space of questioning, I started to think about ways in which I could depict images of um, of Christianity, spiritual images that that looked looked like me, you know, and that that was the starting point for some of the work that I've done. If you look even at the Afronaut pieces, they have hail, they have golden helmets, which are meant to be a reference to halos. Mm. That particular piece for me, the, the the Last Supper piece, I was asking. I was, I was looking back at my own life and I was remembering how I grew up. You know, we grew up eating on, on those mats, those reed mats. Um, and then the question that I had as well was, I, I wonder how the disciples would, would have been if they were African. And so rather than draw faces or uh, depict them as in a figurative way, I wanted to depict them through something that would represent them. Say, for instance, there, there was, just to give a picture to people who, who, who don't have an idea of what we're talking about, it's a, it's, it's a reed mat on the ground uh, and there's 12 plates on the reed mat. And on each of those plates, there's objects. So there's a bowl that has got coins in it. There's thorns on one of the plates. Um, there's a spear on another. And other objects. So for instance, the coins uh, are a reference to Judas who sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. The thorns on the plate are a representation of Christ who had that crown of thorns. You know, there's a machete there, mm. which is meant to reference Bartholomew who was skinned alive. So yeah, for me, I'm trying to get objects that I would associate with uh, quote unquote African culture, Africanness, and then depict them in this very uh, Christian iconographic form, yeah. If mm. that answers your question, it does. It does. And 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 so when you are doing pieces like this, I guess uh, this is the other question, and this is maybe a little bit more about your artistic process. I've asked this to a few artists before, and it's it's. A, I guess the question is, when do you know you're com- when do you know you're done? You know, when do you when is the work finished? Um. I think the question is, is, is the work ever finished? <laughs> That's right. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. So, so the piece is done. Yes. Uh, mm. I've displayed mm. it somewhere. I've shown it somewhere, but uh, just the other day I was thinking about it because uh, uh, someone wants to show it somewhere, you know, Um Actually, there's um, on Artsy, uh, the same organization, Modzi Arts, I was speaking about, has put some of this artwork on online. And a part of me is like, how can I make it better? How can I improve it? Is it big enough? Is it saying what I wanted to say? Can I change the visual references around? Some That's with that piece because it's possible to do that. Other pieces like paintings or 
you know, it, it feels like once you're done with it, it's almost like, and, and also if someone purchases it, you know, uh, if someone takes it away, it's very difficult to go and rework it because it's gone. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like for me, at least work isn't ever really done, done. There's always space for it to be worked, reworked, revisited. And sometimes it's not that you even do anything to the actual work. It's sometimes being with it, seeing it again, gives you motivation to create something else, you know? So the conversation continues. Yes. Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to, that's, that's actually what I, what I put in the end, the end of every episode I say is the conversation continues. So I'm glad that you Mm, you mm. use that. (laughs) (laughs) We are quite, because that's, that's essentially what I'm trying to signal to people is to say, Mm. we are only getting a slice of 20 minutes with, you know, with Aaron in this case or whomever. And so the Mm. conversation continues. So it's not a piece of artwork in the, in the traditional, sense but but i love that you you've you've done that so you see for all you listeners out there aaron is even part of the show without knowing he's part of the show uh, exactly <laughs> hey listen i've only got a few more minutes with you but i want to this is fascinating and i feel like the, the problem with me is i when i get into these conversations i'm like ah oh, man i could spend hours and hours with this mm. i must mm. respect you i know you've got your um your your baby close by and and before they mm. win I want to respect uh, your time. I did want to touch on two different things, though, before I, I let you go. Do you have a few more minutes? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, I, I did want to come back to this whole concept of, uh, of, of the work you do and some of the work I've heard you doing in relation to museums and in relation to, oh, yes. yeah. um, you know, those narratives. And I, I think that of recent, it's maybe been a bit... Um, uh, of the zeitgeist to have these existential conversations about repatriation of arts. And I, I, from what I understand of people in the community, these, this is like, this isn't the first time this has happened. It's happened before where they, they start to have conversations about, you know, we need to, we need to repatriate art. We need to give art back to, you know, museums in particular to where, where, yeah. where it came from. And then the, the conversation wanes, Right. It dies off slowly, slowly, slowly. And then now it's back again. So my question to you is, you know, what what is, what is your position on this current climate? And then where do you think it's going? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a very big question. Um, but I think, hmm, in line with what I said earlier, about my emotions and my feelings. Um, I think that's the way I try to approach life. Um, So again, being positive. Uh, This sounds like a good thing. You know, it can't hurt uh, for things to be repatriated, but there's a lot of questions. Mm. Um, I don't have a problem with things being repatriated. In fact, yeah, I'm all for it. Why? Because if things were looted, things were stolen, they must be must be given back. The only thing is, where are they going? So take a mask or a costume uh, that is used in a masquerade. When it's in a masquerade, it serves a specific purpose. The moment you take it and you put it in a museum, the narrative shifts. It's now no, 
it's it's not it's static it it's function of performance and being used for a particular ritual or perform it's it's changed Hmm. And now you take this thing, you give it a value, whether it's a monetary value or whether it's social capital that it that it holds in the museum space. And then you say, um, now we're giving this back to you, you know, uh, whoever you is on the African continent. Does it then get used as a performance object as it was before? Or does it get put into the museum space and uh, people now start to look at it the same way that you'd look at at art? I feel like that for me is some of the challenges that come with this question of repatriation. Some things are simple. Some things are like, you know, I imagine the Benin bronzes that were taken uh, uh, can be taken back and then put in in a place. In fact, these museums being built for this purpose. Mm. But the question is, when they were first created, were they created to be put in museums? Were they created for that idea? There's... um, there's a book uh, called The Brutish Museum. Um, and the author talks about how um, uh, the museum really is inherently uh, part of empire. Um, that's where it started. And that's kind of where it still is. You know, mm-hmm. the ideas um, that, you know, uh, colonization uh, uh, had are still very intrinsic with the museum space. And so I guess the question is, how do you change that? How do you become more um, considerate of the current moment so that even when things are being repatriated, the, the baggage that they come back with can be dealt with in a very uh, careful manner? I think that for me is the question that I have. Uh, mm-hmm. Very positive that that things are moving forward if they are indeed, but uh, do we have the infrastructure for this? You know, not just the physical building, but what is all the things that come with uh, this idea of repatriation? Yeah. I, you know, that's, I love that perspective. I've, I've actually never even thought of it in, in those terms. Uh, maybe obviously mm. because I'm, I'm not an artist and I'm not embroiled in this world, but mm. it is a perspective that I haven't necessarily heard expressed. And so I thank you for that, mm. Um, mm. that lens through which we can be critical about these things and not critical in a negative way, but critical in a, mm. in a positive mm-hmm. way. So I, I, I really appreciate that. Um it feels like I, I I should drive down that one a little bit more, but again, in the interest of time, well, well, I guess I, you know, I, I want to understand, um, you know, from your perspective as a creator. And so maybe this can be a personal question rather than in the context of, 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 of uh, museums, mm-hmm. when you are creating a piece of art, mm-hmm. you know, are you, are you thinking of these things? Are you conscious of, where is this going to end up and does that inform the creation um that's again you you're asking like really great questions um because which artist who isn't selling their work which artist isn't thinking i'm making this so that someone can purchase it right right Right. um especially if this is your daily bread Mm-hmm. You know, some something has to pay the bills. Um, but I think making work just to sell work is not a winning strategy for me. And if we're talking personal, um, that's kind of where I've been. 
I've been at a place where I've been pushing, I've been pushing, I've been meeting people, I've been showing them my artwork, I've been saying, hey, my artwork is good, engage with it, purchase it, you know, or at least help me put it in a gallery and let me make uh, more work because uh, I don't have a studio where I work right now. I'm, I'm, my program doesn't, isn't a studio practice PhD, it's just a writing PhD. So all the work that I'm making is being done in, in my home. So there's no space for a studio. So one of the things I've had to do is just step back and say, why do I create? You know, what is my purpose for creating the work that I'm creating? And really, it's not so that I can sell it. It's so that I could have conversation. It's so that I can share something meaningful and and and, and personal and deep and rich. The selling, um, I feel, is something that will happen. You know, I don't know that it should happen, but if people can get something from the work, even by just seeing it and engaging with it, then that's great. You know, if it sells, it's a bonus. So I guess there are, you know, like, like I'm saying, I'm, I'm in a PhD program, you know, I'm not making my art full time, not yet anyway. So I need to figure that side out, the financial side, because everyone knows bills has to have to be paid. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the big challenge is when the money is the thing that you are after, I think uh, it has a negative impact on your work, you know, because then you start producing production line kind of stuff. It's like, people want this, I can produce hundred of these and I'll sell them, you know? So I don't know that that's where one should be starting from. I think the question is, what do you intend to share and say in your work and start from that point? People who are going to be looking you up after this interview, you know, people who find you, what do you want them to see you as? Mm -hmm. um, am I allowed uh, to ask you a question in response? Please, yeah, this is, yeah. Um, in your research, what did you find? What, what was your perception when, yeah. and I, I, I'll definitely respond to your question, but I would, I'd, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you found. I had put you in the, he's a professor of, um, visual arts with, with, uh, with the specification um, or with the um, specialized in African art. Mm, mm, Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. You're right. Um, definitely. Um, my, my work is specialized in the art from the African continent and that's where a lot of my focus is. Um, and myself, that's where I'm from. And so, you know, I'm from Zambia. And so my work is really focused on, centering the continent how do we look back at the continent and not see it as a footnote because that's what i've discovered a lot of times when you're in the west you know different parts of the of the continent become just footnotes you know it's like oh yeah 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 you're from africa that's great that's great you know i mean equally people ask like oh yeah you guys from africa you're always complaining that we don't know places in africa do you know places in europe well the answer is yeah probably you know more places than you know a westerner would of the continent but anyway uh my personal life i mean um I'm a, I'm a new parent. So I guess it's like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm a parent. You know, I'm still, I'm still trying those shoes on. Um, a child of God, you know, people are like, ah, oh, yeah, you, the, you know, what do you believe in? Who, what, what's your faith and all these things. But I think for sure, 
in line with what you asked, are you a student of life? I think um, I, I believe in learning. I believe in being open-minded. I believe in being able to, to share of yourself authentically and, and be open to what or who comes down your path. Um, to get to the point that I've got to right now, I always like to say that uh, for me, I'm 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 a Christian. I'm a, a believer. I believe in Jesus, and I always like to say to to my friends, those who are close to me, that you know God has removed uh, any possibility for me to boast in myself, because everything that I've got up to this point has only come through prayer. Um, you know, I remember uh, applying to come to this university and being rejected twice and thinking, okay, I guess that's done. My dream of going to study in America is not going to happen. And it was my first week in my master's program that I received an acceptance letter to come here. And I'm like, oh, this is strange. You know, why am I getting an acceptance after I've started a program already? Mm-hmm. And so I did my master's program in in a year and a half. You know, it's usually a two-year program. And I was like, I do want this other opportunity. So I deferred my acceptance. And after completing my master's uh, sooner than it was meant to be done, I came here. And I say, I say, I share that to say that, you know, even though there's obviously been hard work that has gone in on my side, I feel like there's a lot that I can attribute towards uh, God towards a power beyond myself, you know, because some of these are just blessings where it's like, it almost feels like you're falling into them, you know? And so I think if I want people to, to imagine or think something of me, you know, it's, it's just that side of my life is very important. It's something that is beyond even this conversation of, oh, where's Africa in the, in, the, in the international global conversation, you know, beyond this work that I'm doing physically. It's, it's, there's a spiritual aspect of it that's so important that doesn't always necessarily come out in the work or in the, in the, in the verbal conversations, you know? Yeah. That's, um, that's a brilliant answer, Aaron, as well. Um, and I thank you for it. I thank you for it's obvious that you've done some deep, deep reflection um, on on that, and and your approach to life is 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 kind of refreshing, um, and it's, it's I think it's forcing me to to try and reflect a little bit on mine. So uh, I you know I really I really appreciate that. Um, listen, I have I have one last question uh, that sure. I ask uh, I, I wanted to ask of you, and that is um, you know in terms of your work. Um, what is the, is the, is the, again, you know, I'm asking in absolutes, but what is the one piece of work that maybe you are most proud of? Um, and, and maybe if you can, if you can illuminate as to why. Hmm. Um, 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 that's, that's a difficult one. Uh, hmm. I'll say this, I'll say this, and it won't be a direct answer to your question. No. I'll say that I'm still pushing. I'm at a point in life where, you know, I feel like, and, and, and it's back to what I said earlier, where I've been feeling like I've been hustling, doing all the, all the meetings and mm-hmm. trying to engage with people. And it's like, ah. Oh, 
man, I'm done. You know, I'm, 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 I'm completely done with that. I'm just going to let things be as they are. By that, I mean, I'm just going to keep making and whatever happens, happens. So in terms of the work, I think the work that is speaking to me right now is the most recent post that I put up on Instagram. It's, it's a fist and uh, there's, it's actually like a lot of fists behind it. Um, <clears throat> I think I, I put it up. I, I, I mean, I made this work because I was thinking about resistance. I was thinking about revolution and revolt. At the time that I made it, I think it was 2018, um, I was kind of, again, these these things that we've been talking about where it's like, where is my space? You know, I was, I was in South Africa and making this work. And, you know, um, there was a lot of times when I felt like, do I belong? You know, how do I find my space of belonging? And one of the things that you have to do is constantly resist the negative emotions or energy that comes your, your way. But right now it's also relevant because I'm thinking about protest and the way in which there's been so much negativity happening around us, especially, you know, you think about black people being killed consistently. Uh, recently in Texas, there was this uh, school shooting, you know, elementary school. And it's like, we are tired of being tired. We're tired of telling the same story and struggling and finding our space of belonging and struggling even to exist or to be given space to breathe. And so I think I'm really looking to revisit that work because I feel like there's a lot that is being still in the system that we have to resist, still in the system that we have to protest and push against and fight against. And it's like, you know, I don't want to be in that space of being tired. I don't want to be in that space of being drained. But at the same time, this is ongoing work that needs to keep happening in order for us to live and survive, you know? Yeah. Still pushing. Still pushing. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron, I want to, um, and by the way, for those uh, who are interested in this piece, it is, it is a striking piece. Uh, and just if I, if I, if I may, and it is um, Aaron, um, Aaron Samuel, Mulenga um, on Instagram. That's the handle for folks who want to come and check out uh, a lot of Aaron's work. It's, it's a beautifully laid out. This fist is interesting, or this this it's it, it's not just one. So if I if I if I can um, just unpack that a little bit, it looks like there is a collection of fists, and it looks like they're different from different colors and different shades. Mm. Um, you know, is uh, am I catching that correctly? And what was yeah. What was the intention? What was the intention behind that um, collection? Um, yeah, I guess you know, there's a lot of people who are who are in the quote-unquote struggle. There's you know, it's not just black and brown people, and it's not just black and brown people resisting something within our systems of oppression, whatever those those may be. Uh, I think there's space for different people to engage and and read and be present in this conversation. You know, I think that's what I was trying to to depict because you're right. There's different mediums used. Uh, some of the fists have clay on them. Some of the fists have coffee. I work a lot with coffee. Uh, the, the 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 grounds of coffee. Um, and so I think I'm, I'm just inviting people to say, are you part of this struggle? How do you contribute? How do you, how do you see yourself present? You know, um, that's really what that is. 
Aaron, it's it's really been a pleasure. I, I typically um, ask one closing question. So um, for those of you, depending on where this episode falls, you will understand that I am trying to thread um, together all of these episodes by asking one guest to tell us where to go next. So Aaron, um, in this journey um, through the continent that I'm on with 54 Lights and that you've been yeah. so gracious to be a part of, um, I must ask you, where should we go next? What is the next country that should be um, part of our journey? Have you already been to Ethiopia? <sighs> I have not. Fantastic. Yeah. And as I mentioned at the top of this um, conversation, Ethiopia is the country of my birth. So I will be going, <laughs> I will be going back home <laughs> thanks to my uh, my. Um, my my new friend from uh, from yes. my father's home and maybe my home as well to be honest with you. Yes, the, the, their blurred lines <laughs> Zambia and Malawi. I don't know, but that's a colonial uh, construct. <laughs> Those borders exactly all over the place. Um, any particular reason you picked Ethiopia to go to? Yeah, dude. So Ethiopia, um, and if there's anyone from Ethiopia who's listening or who wants to like have me come through, I'm trying to go to the churches there. You know they. Say the Ark of the Covenant is there in Axiom. Uh, I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of, of, of that city. Uh, Lalibela, there's a church that's dug out of the ground. What? Um, and I'm, I've, I've been trying to go to Ethiopia to do some research because they say um, one of the earliest strands of Christianity is there. And, you know, the depiction of the saints, I mean, you can tell me more than, than, yeah. than I know because I've never been. The depiction of the saints are, are, are brown and black. And it's like, okay, so the, 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 the Orthodox uh, Christianity is like there's stuff there that I would love to unpack because many people claim that Christianity came to the continent um, through the, the missionaries, but yeah. that's in the 15th century. But you're telling me, where is Ethiopia? Isn't Ethiopia on the on the continent? You know, they have an old version of, of Christianity. Why why aren't we acknowledging this? You know, is there any way that that version of Christianity has spread beyond the borders uh, of Ethiopia and Eritrea and come down much further to the south? You know, I don't know. And so that's kind of the work that I'm looking to get into next. So I don't know. Maybe oh. you're gonna go back to Ethiopia. Let's let's go. Maybe oh, let's, let's find ourselves there. So there you have it. The conversation continues. Part of our show was recorded and produced at the soundstage and auditory office of 54 Lights. While our stage is small, our lights together shine brightly. This season, more than most, has been produced in partnership with some incredible people, ones that I'll avoid rattling off anonymously, but will find time to thank personally after each and every play. A special shout out to Aaron, for all he gave to me and shared with me. And of course, by extension, thanks goes to you, the listener, for lending me your energy and your ears. Remember, find us on Instagram, follow us by subscribing, and of course, forward this to a friend or two. Find, follow, and forward. Our next stop, well, you heard it from Aaron himself. By special request, we're off to Ethiopia, which happens to be my country of birth, for our next full episodic installment. Until then, I'm your host, Kondwani, 
Here's hoping you find yourself in every play. <laughs>